I love memes. Uh, who knows what memes are? If you ever thought they were called memes, I'm going to help you today. Um, so we're starting a brand new series called Wait What? Let me just kind of quickly frame this for you. Uh, we have we started, uh, man, a long time ago, we started doing a series in Luke called True Story. And the whole point of that was um, there's a hashtag True Story. And like, basically you can say whatever you want to. And as long as you put hashtag True Story, it really happened. And so we talked about in Luke... The whole context of the book of Luke is um, that all the eyewitnesses were kind of dying out. And so uh, there was a really rich man who said to Dr. Luke, hey, I will fund your, your um, investigation if you will actually take the time to interview all these people before they die out and find out, like, all these stories I've heard about Jesus, did they really happen? And so, true story, Luke is, the book of Luke in your Bible is his report, also the book of Acts. And so when you read the book of Luke, you can just kind of think, wow, this is like eyewitness testimony of Jesus. It really happened. It's a true story. And now what we've started doing is we've taken, you know, a few, a chapter or two at a time, and we'll kind of package them together in, um, in a kind of a thematic way. And so this, today, we're starting starting one called Wait What? It's based on Luke 16 and 17. So we'll be in the first part of Luke 16, if you want to go ahead and find that in your Bibles or on your devices, wherever you want to do that. Um, we'll also have verses up on the screen. But I need to make sure that you know what wait what means, right? So if you're a 25 and younger, you're good, right? You've got this, and you're just watching people with grayer hair going, this will be fun. If you're older than 25, you might not quite know what that means, which means you do know what it means because you're living it right now. You're kind of going, what's, what's happening right now? And that's what wait what means, right? Let me give you an example. Last night, Wendy and I, we, I took her out. It was fantastic. It was this beautiful restaurant. Man, I mean, candlelight. It was fantastic. They brought out the best meal. It was so good. They spit in our food. It was so good. And what you just experienced was, wait, what? Because you heard everything I said, but then I said something about spitting my food. And you're like, did, did he just say, what? wait, what? That's what that means. And what, what, we didn't actually go out and nobody actually spit in our food, right? So I just lied to you. Now you're like, wait, what? You're the preacher. See, you're having all these moments right now. The reason we've called it that is because um, in full disclosure, this is, again, you're getting a lot of insight into being a pastor today. The great thing about preaching through a book is that you can't hide. The hard thing about preaching through a book is that you can't hide, right? You come on these passages and I'm like, I don't. I read the first part of Luke 16 like two months ago. I don't want to preach that. Don't want to touch it, right? Um, and and it's, it's, you know why? It's about money. And nobody likes to talk about money. And, and then I started reading all these, these two chapters. It's like one after the other of topics I really would rather not talk about. Let me just give, give you a little glimpse. This morning, we're going to talk about money because Jesus talks about money. And I'm going to talk about money right after Christmas, so none of you have any, right? Um, you, you, you Listen, let me just set you these. You're sitting in a body of believers who last year, I mean, I'm, I told you at the end of the year, I'm amazed at what God did through our church last year financially. I'm amazed how much we were able to give away. I'm just amazed. This is not like, oh, he's talking about money because we need more money. I mean, we always need more money, but you are faithful. It's amazing to pastor this church, Right. But today, as I talk about money, a topic nobody wants to talk about. Like, if you have a wallet in your back pocket, you're holding it right now. You ain't getting my money, right? As my reward for being a faithful preacher this week, next week we get to talk about divorce. Won't that be fun, right? I mean, that's fantastic. I'm just like, wait, what? 
And then if I, we go through all six weeks, the very last one, the very end of Luke 17, he's just like, he kind of wraps it up with, let's talk about the end of all time. Like if I missed anything at all, we'll wrap it up right here. I mean, he touches so many, he, entitlement, there's so many things in here, ungratefulness. I mean, like, I'm not even saying words that make you want to come back, right? The only reason you're going to come for the next six weeks is to watch me preach and squirm, right? You're like, this will be fun just to watch Paul freak out a little bit. I'm going to bring my friends. We can all watch him freak out a little bit. This will be a blast. Now, I will say next week, there's no way that you can live in this society and not have been touched by divorce. And and next week is going to be amazing. We've talked about um, six weeks of shock and awe. Let me tell you what shock and awe is all about. Shock is we hear Jesus say things, and we're like, but he's Jesus. Did he really just say that? That sounds a little bit, ugh. But then as you dig a little bit deeper, you'll see that this morning, you begin to realize, wait a second. He has my good in mind. He's got good plans for me. He, there's a reason he's saying these hard things. And if I really hear what the reason is, you kind of end up going, wow. I don't know why I like that so much, but I really like what Jesus is saying to me. And so that's the shock and awe. I just, I'm saying that because next week, the minute I said the D word, you're just like, I ain't coming back. But I'm telling you, man, you need to find people that have been touched by divorce, and you need to make sure they're here next week. You'll be amazed at what Jesus has to say about that in the next part of Luke 16. But anyway, that's, that's next week. So this morning, we're in Luke 16. Uh, the first 15 verses of, of Luke 16, uh, Jesus is going to be talking about money and about resources, and I'm going to read it to you, and then I just want to give you three, three truths, okay? So three reasons why we should pay attention to our money. Everybody say money. Okay, we got that out of the way. Here we go. Um, verse 1, and I'll just try to talk through some of this. Jesus told his disciples, so let's just stop there. Context is everything, right? It's important to know why Jesus says what he says and who he's saying it to. So who's he talking to? Yes, it's the D word right there, disciples. Um, he's talking to his disciples. Here's what that means. If by chance you're here this morning and you don't love Jesus, one, I'm so glad you're here. Right, we, that's, You're the reason we planted this church six years ago, right? If you're here and you don't love Jesus, it's our honor to have you here. I hope the person who promised you lunch for coming will actually give you lunch when we're done, right? But if you're here this morning and you don't love Jesus, guess what? Guess what you get to do today? Today, you get to sit back and watch a bunch of Christians squirm while we talk about their money. Because he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to followers People that are following him. Now, my prayer is, if you're here and you don't love Jesus, by the end of this message, you'll be like, I want to follow that man, Jesus. I want to know him. Okay, so just remember, right up front, if you love Jesus, he's talking to you. Okay, we got that? We're on the same page? So he says to his disciples, here we go. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. Let me make sure. I don't know if they did a good job of this in the 9 o'clock. I'll do a better job today uh, at 11. Making sure you understand who this manager was. Have you ever read stories of um, famous people like singers, athletes, um, actors, actresses, and they, they make all kinds of money, but they don't handle their own money? You know what I'm talking about? They have like a money manager, right? Have you ever heard stories where those people earned tons of money throughout their career and then it was all gone? Because their manager invested it poorly, did things that were, or maybe that person took some of the money. If you were rich, really, really rich, and you hired somebody to manage your money, and then you were like, I want to ma- I want to retire now. Give me all my money. And they said, there is none. How would you feel? Uh, scale of 1 to 10. 1, I want to punch you in the throat. 10, that's cool. 
How are you feeling? Okay, I'm negative numbers, correct? So that's, that's the context of this, this parable. There's a man who was rich. He had a manager, and his manager wasted the rich man's possessions. So he called him in and punched him in the throat. It's not actually in there, but let's, it's, here's how Jesus said it. He called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give your account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. He punched him in the throat, okay, in our language. The manager said to himself, listen, what will I do now? My master, the rich man, is taking away my job. I'm going to get fired. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm not, and I'm ashamed to beg. I think that's funny how Luke put that in there, right? I'm not strong. So you ever heard the expression pencil pusher? That's this man, right? He's like, I, I, I got no muscles. I can't do manual labor. This is all I got, and I'm going to get fired and lose my job. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he comes up with a plan, and here's the plan. He called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, how much do you owe my boss? 900 gallons of olive oil. That is a lot of Italian bread, right? Mm, makes me hungry. I'm already hungry, but 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager, this is the bad man who did a bad job managing the money of the rich man. The manager told him, take your bill. Sit down quickly and make it 450. Did you catch that? He cut it in half. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. I don't know if he suddenly felt bad for giving a 50% discount to the first person, but he did not give the same discount to the second person, but he did go from 1,000 to 800. Do I have a teacher in the house that will tell me how much of a percentage that is? 20? Okay, good, because I was going to say something wrong. So thank you so much. And now nobody will ever know that I was going to say 18. Sweet. I was going to say 20. Stop. Now, to this point, okay, and I'm going to give you three truths. To this point, here's what we know. A really bad manager of money is going to get fired by a really wealthy man. That bad manager of money stole, everybody say stole, stole from other people what they owed his boss. Gave them a discount that his boss never authorized him to give. And here's what blows my mind. Right? Here we go. The next verse. Jesus is telling a parable, and here's what Jesus says. We know it because the letters are read. The master commended the dishonest manager. There is your wait what moment. Jesus is telling a parable, and he says the master commended the dishonesty. He, he commended dishonesty. Now, we need to make sure we get this, okay? If you've been following Jesus very long, you've been reading the Bible, you know that in the Bible it does not say things like, thou shalt steal from thy neighbor, right? It says what? Thou shalt not steal, right? You should be honest. You should have integrity. You should not take things that aren't yours. You shouldn't covet. You shouldn't be jealous and envious. Like, you should not be doing what we just read about. But Jesus tells a story about a man who does all those dishonest things, and then Jesus is telling his disciples, the master said, good job. Can you just imagine disciples be like, wait, what? What is Jesus talking about? Now, here's the key. He commended the dishonest manager because... He had acted shrewdly. Now, I'm a pastor, so when I see words like shrewdly, I go to a concordance, Google, and I look up the Greek word, 
And I find out how many times that Greek word has been used in the New Testament. And here's why I'm doing this. If you don't know how to study the Bible, I'm going to give you a real quick lesson. Look up the Greek word. See how many times that Greek word is used, and then see how many different ways it's defined, and it gives you a real flavor for that word, right? So I look up the word shrewdly in the Greek, and here's what I found out. It's the only time it's used, which means it might be important, right? But it means I can't compare it to anything else. So I found out in the Greek what the word shrewdly means is prudently. And I thought to myself, I think I know what the word prudently means. I think I remember hearing the word prudently, but I'm not quite sure, so I'm going to go to Google. And I Googled the word prudently, and here's what I found out. Here's what it means. I know, just hang with me. It'll make sense in a minute. Prudently means in a way that shows care and thought for the future. Now, back to Luke 16. Jesus commended the, dishon- the manager commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly, and here's what Jesus said. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Here's what Jesus said. He said, people in this world, unsaved people, show more care and thought for the future than the church. We trust everybody. We don't have contracts. We just throw money away. But they're more shrewd in considering a thing about the future than the church is. And Jesus is saying that's not good. The reason why the, the manager commended the dishonest, the, the master commended the dishonest manager is because he finally had a plan. He finally thought through. He finally was like, wait, I'm going to do something with thought intentionally about the money that I've been given to use as a resource. And Jesus says, that's how I want you to be with your money. So here's your first truth from this passage. Money is a resource for the kingdom. It's a resource that we should use for the kingdom. We should use our money to bless other people, to gain favor with others. Uh, Back to our scale of 1 to 10. So 1 is punching in the throat, 10 is you're fantastic. Imagine this. Let's just for a moment imagine I know you're wondering, what did Paul watch? He said, punch the throat five times. Um, imagine that in your neighborhood, you actually know your neighbors. Now, I know that's a stretch because it's America, and it doesn't mean that we know our neighbors just because we live near them. But let's just, for the fun of it, imagine that all of us know our neighbors. And you found out that your neighbor next door, across the street, somewhere in your neighborhood, you found out that your neighbor just lost their job. And you showed up at their door knocked on the door, and they open it, and they're like, well, hey, Paul, what are you doing here? Well, I I heard you lost your job, and I just came to tell you that I've worked it out with the bank, and I've gone ahead and paid your mortgage for next month. Now, uh, question. This is crowd participation. It's okay to say out loud. One, I want to punch you in the throat. Ten, that's fantastic. How's your neighbor feeling? Ten, eleven, twelve, twenty-five, right? Um, Probably hugging you, right? Even the most stoic of neighbors might be giving you a hug. Um, do, do you think um, that, that they fall to their knees and give their hearts to Jesus? Maybe, probably not. But do you think that they might care more about the things that you care about now? Yeah. You think they might want to have more of a relationship with you? Yes. And what Jesus is saying is, man, use your money. Use the money you have now to develop friendships that will have eternal impact. And I'm just saying, man, if we use our money as a resource for the kingdom, 
If we did that for people, we would never have a hard time convincing somebody to listen to us talk about the things that matter to us. That's what Jesus is saying. Money is a resource for the kingdom. Use it as a resource for the kingdom. What if you showed up and your neighbor answered the door and you had groceries for the next week? I'm guessing they might ask you to come in and eat with them. And it's because you've used your money as a resource for the kingdom. Now, here's what I love about the Bible, okay? Because the Bible, if you read it, and you just kind of read the way that Jesus does things, he knows us so well, doesn't he? Because just don't say anything to your neighbor. Just look at him real quick. Just, just look at him. I'm going to tell you right now what they're thinking. Are you ready? This is what they're thinking. I'm sorry, you didn't have a neighbor. This is what you're thinking. Here's what, here's what, here's what your neighbor's thinking, and here's what the disciples were thinking. They were saying, I hear you, Jesus. I got it, man. I get it. Money's a resource for the kingdom. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus, the minute I get some, I'm going to use it as a resource for the kingdom. The disciples started doing what our family does. We play the lottery game. Do you play the lottery game? When we would go down to, especially before North Carolina had a lottery, um, we don't play the lottery, just the lottery game. I'll explain it in a minute. We would go down to, uh, we'd get in our car, we'd go down to see her parents in Columbia, South Carolina. Well, South Carolina had a lottery long before we did. So we'd get in the car, we'd be driving down, and every time we'd see the billboard, and it would say how much money you could win if you won the lottery. And let's just use a word like, like, like $500 million, right? We'd see $500 million, and every time, every single time, we'd play the lottery game, and here's how the lottery game goes. If I won the lottery, here's what I would do. So if we won $500 million, you got to cut it in half right away because you ain't getting that half, right? you got 250 left. $250 million, and here's how it would always go in our family. I don't, your family would do something different, but here's what we would do every single time. We're paying off the mortgage, right? Check. And then Wendy says, I'm getting a new car. And I can tell you right now, if we won the lottery, my wife is getting a brand-new, fully loaded, amazing Ford Edge. If you have a Ford Edge that you don't like anymore and it's fully loaded, talk to me. And if I win the lottery, I'll buy it from you. So we talk about that. We talk now. We had kids in college, so we talk. We we pay for college, right? We, we then we start once we get through our stuff, which takes like a hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is. Not, not not that much. Once we get through our stuff, here's what always happens. Wendy will say, "Well, I would build Koshi. Koshi's a, um, a missionary that our church supports in India, and he does a lot of rescuing of young girls off the streets of Delhi." Um, they have a place called Redemption Home. Now they have two of them. And she will always say, I would build Koshi as many Redemption Homes as, as he needs. And then I said, well, I would, I would I'd finish paying off that church building that we're trying to renovate over there. Shoot, forget that. I'd pay off every church building in downtown Albemarle. I'd just hand the pastor the key and say, you're debt free. We start dreaming like that. And you know what's crazy? All that dreaming gets you somewhere like you still got $200 million left. I start thinking, how do people spend that much money? They find a way. I know they do. But here's what Jesus is getting to. And, and this is really important because this is your second truth, okay? Money is a resource for the kingdom. And when we say to Jesus, if I only had it, I would use it, then he says, uh-uh, uh-uh, no. Look what the next verse says. If you're faithful with very little, you'll be faithful with a lot. Because money is not just a resource for the kingdom. It's a revealer of our character, Okay? So what, what I love about the lottery game is that the lottery game really does begin to reveal your heart. Like what you would spend it on. Like, and again, you wouldn't have to feel bad about it because if money is no object, you're like, I'm buying, I'm buying a yacht. Well, that's because you, like you like to go boating. I wouldn't buy a yacht because I don't personally like to throw up, right? 
But whatever, man, whatever rocks your boat, literally, right? Whatever you like, you know, whatever you want to do, you might buy, you know, season tickets to like this, the Falcons. If you want to throw your money away, do that. You know, I'm going to go to the Panthers, right? Next year. I'm not sure they're going to, anyway, we'll just move on from there. But what you would spend your money on, it just reveals your heart, right? It reveals your character. But here's what Jesus says. If you're not doing it now with a very little, you won't really do it then. So we can do the lottery game all day long. The question is, are we helping Koshi now? Even if it's just very, and I love Luke, again, he's very intentional. Luke uses the word very little. He could have said, just be faithful with what you got. But he says, if you're faithful with very little, then you'll be trusted with much. If you're dishonest with very little, you'll be dishonest with much. And I think he included the words very little just for us, right? Because let's be honest. Some people have a lot and some people have a little but don't most of us feel like we just have very little? I mean, isn't that really descriptive of us? Whether it's true or not, it's how we feel. And what I love about Jesus is he's saying, he's giving us hope. He's saying, look, you can actually do good with very little. And if you'll do good with very little, it reveals your character. It reveals who you really are. If you're not doing it now, you will not do it later. Now, I was in youth ministry for like a little over two decades, so I heard this stuff all the time. I would hear teenagers tell me all the time, if God calls me to Africa, I will tell everybody in Africa about Jesus. But they wouldn't tell anybody at their lunch table about Jesus, right? You're like, guys, you're never going to go there and do what you're not already doing here. This is like parents. You have teenagers, and they tell you, yeah, but when I get my own place, I'll clean up after myself. I'll make my bed. And you're like, no, you won't. You're going to be single and alone the rest of your life because it's going to smell so bad in your house, right? If you're not doing it now, nobody that's raising children says, don't worry about these things. Just figure it out when you move out, right? Because you want to raise them right, so you teach them along the way. Because the principle that Jesus is teaching us is if you do it now, you'll do it then. But if you're not doing it now, you won't do it then. Okay, so I want to at least call you this year, starting 2018, at least be honest with yourselves. Don't play the lottery game. Don't tell God, yeah, if I get some, then I'll do some. Do what you can now with what you have, right? And I love that because you know what that does? It gives hope to every one of us. Every one of us. All of us can do something with our money with our resources. So uh, it's weird to think of this, but money is like an entry level, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not like the most incredible thing you'll ever do for Jesus. It's just entry level. Jesus says if you've been trustworthy, if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's pro property, who will give you property of your own? If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So what we do with our money, and we think about money all the time, don't we? I should have preached this message at the end of the month because y'all be like, oh, I'm thinking, about, I'm thinking about money right now. We think about it all the time, but what Jesus is saying is like that's small potatoes, entry-level stuff into the kingdom. If you can't handle this entry-level stuff well, you'll never have true riches. And what are true riches? Eternal rewards. Eternal rewards. So if it's entry-level and us handling money well means that we get greater riches. Let me ask you this question. Doesn't it make sense that we would want to do good things with our money? 
I want to pass the entry-level test so I can move on to greater things. And so the obvious question is, why don't we? I mean, if it's just, if it's that much of a no-brainer, if Jesus says, look, if you're faithful with this, then I'll give you more, why would we not be faithful? And again, I love how Jesus, this is the progression, the last truth, the, the bombshell that he drops on them is in verse 13, when he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And here, here's the last truth, and this one's the hardest one of all, okay? Money is a robber of our passion. It's a robber of our passion. In verse 13, here's what Jesus makes super clear. As your love for one, so you've got money and you've got God. As your love for one goes up, your love for the other goes down. So just think seesaw, right? We tend to think, I'll love them both, but he says it's not possible. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He said, if you love one, you're going to hate the other. If you despise one, you're going to despise the If you love one, you'll despise the other. He Jesus is saying, look, it's a robber. If you, if you take your passion that should go to God and you give it to money, then eventually you'll have no passion at all. And you think about it. Look, about, look back at your own life. I can look at my life. The times that I have, the times that I have stolen, taken from God, passion that should be to him, and I have worried myself to death about finances, I have found myself at the other end of that in a bad place with God. Like, why don't I feel it anymore, God? And he's like, because money just robbed your passion. And that's what he's saying to us. Love God, you'll love money less. Love money, and you'll love God less. And it's not because he's against money. He's not. He's just against us trusting in it. He's against us trusting in money. Matthew 6, 21, you can just jot that down, that verse down. You've probably heard this before. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will will be also. Our money and our passion is connected. So listen, if your passion is God and his kingdom, then your money is going to end up being used for the kingdom. I love Luke. This doctor, he closes this story out in verse 14. He says, the Pharisees who love money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. Have you ever thought to yourself, like, why words are in the Bible? So he could have just said, couldn't he? The Pharisees heard all this and were sneering at Jesus, but he made sure he included who loved money. And Luke's a doctor. Um, do you all know doctors? Doctors are like type A, 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 A people, right? Like they're super attention detail. They don't just do stuff just to do stuff. They're not random. And so I think like he's very intentional to say the reason that they're sneering at Jesus is because they loved money. And if they loved money, then they couldn't love God. Here, here's the way I, I said it in the big idea. If you follow the money trail, you'll eventually find your heart, right? Big idea means if you forget everything else I said today, but if you'll just remember this, you're good. If you'll follow the money trail, eventually you will find your heart. Here's why, because your money goes where your heart is. Every single time. And that's what Jesus is saying. He went through all that just to say to his disciples, listen, here's the deal, guys. You can't love God and you can't love money at the same time. So if you love God, 
Let's just work our way backwards to this. If you love God, if you're passionate about Jesus, then you will steward faithfully the things that he's given to you. And if you steward faithfully what he's given to you, then you're going to use it as a resource for the kingdom so that others will benefit eternally as a result. Listen, you'll never use your money to build an eternal kingdom if you don't have passion about an eternal king. So remember early, uh, we did this little thing about, I said, if your neighbor lost her job, and we did the whole scale of one to ten, one punch you in the throat, and ten is like give you a hug and high five you. Um, remember that? It was earlier in the message. Yes, good. The more you shake your head, the quicker we're done, right? So, um, hell, I love that. You're like, absolutely. We got to get to New Orleans, right? Um, let's hope so. Anyway. So imagine this, okay? We are a church in downtown Albemarle. Let's bring that scenario about you personally into our into where we are as a church. We are a church we believe that God has called us to downtown Albemarle. We have met in three different buildings as adults already, two buildings as kids. Like we've met here a long time in downtown Albemarle. Would it be easier to go out somewhere and buy land? Probably, but we believe that God put us here. I believe that God calls you to support the mission of this church, because that's why you're here as members. That's why you're a part of what we're doing. And the Bible says in Malachi 3.10, I'm going all old school on you. It says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Here's why. Listen, check this out. You've never heard this before. Bring it all into the storehouse so that you will be blessed. That's what the Bible says. And we stop there. Like, this is sweet. Like, if I give you my tithe, God's going to bless me, and that's going to rock. But you got to go all the way back to Genesis 12.1. Anybody know where that is? If you're a theologian, you know that Genesis 12.1 is actually called the Abrahamic Covenant. I know, you're just like, I didn't know Paul knew big words, but I do. And here's what the covenant was. Genesis 12.1, God said to Abraham, not only will I make you a great nation, but he said, I will bless you so that through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. God doesn't bless us so we have more money. He blesses us so that through us other people can be blessed. So here's what I believe. Again, last year, unbelievable. You guys are the most faithful church I know. I think it just blows my mind what God does through us. But we continue doing that. Here's what's going to happen. Picture, if you could, downtown Albemarle, and I'm not going to use a specific building or a specific business because there's so many, and I don't have one in mind. But if you could just imagine a downtown business that is, like, just integrated into the fabric of the history of Albemarle, Right? Everybody loves this store. Everybody loves the store owner. Everybody goes there all the time. And I mean, it is critical in downtown Albemarle. And if it was gone, everybody would be like, oh, what's, what's, what's happening? Imagine for a moment that that business had to close. Economy turns, turns bad. They don't have the money for their bills, whatever. They have to close. And then we, because we're a downtown church, we hear about it. Imagine if we showed up. I got to show up as the pastor of the gathering. And, and hand that owner a check and say, you know what? Albemarle can't afford to lose you. We have taken care of what you couldn't. Scale of 1 to 10, how's that owner feeling? Did anybody say 1? Because I'm going to punch you in the throat. <laughs> 10, when he's like, don't say that, Paul. But I really, I really would do it. Uh, so 10, right? I mean, 10, 11, 12, like that owner is thrilled. Does that owner love Jesus? I don't know, maybe. Do you think that owner might someday show up at our church? I'm thinking probably so, right? Now, 
as excited as they were to get a check and us say, hey, we're just for you because we're for Albemarle. And God's for you because he's for Albemarle. We just want to help you out. We don't expect anything in return. We just love you. They would have a couple questions. One, how'd you do that? And here's what I would say. Well, Malachi 3.10 says that we're supposed to bring the tithe to the storehouse so that we would be blessed. So that according to Genesis 12.1, when we're blessed, we can then be a blessing. So there's a whole gaggle of people. I would use the word gaggle because it's fun. There's a whole gaggle of people at the gathering that believe. They're crazy about how much they believe in Jesus, and they give because they love Jesus because their heart is for God and not for money. And because of that, they are people of integrity, and their character is revealed in how they spend their money, and they use their money as a resource to invest in the kingdom. And because of that, we had the money ready as soon as we heard there was a need. You don't think that would turn a city around? Holy cow. Like, people would want to know, what are you drinking, smoking? And I'd say, just Jesus want to change your life? I, I don't know. It's just Jesus. And they might not fall on their knees and repent, but I tell you, they would listen to what we had to say. They would want to know more about this Jesus who would make you do that. That's the point of your money. It's not so that pastors can drive better cars. It's not so we can all chase after the winning lottery ticket. God, that, God didn't, that's not God. He just says, trust me. Love me more than all this other stuff. And use what very little you have to invest in my kingdom. And then step back and watch what I do. And that's all he wants. That's all he wants. And so if you follow the money trail, you'll eventually find your heart. If you could look at our bank account, guess what you would learn about me and Wendy? We love Mexican. Love it. I mean, I could eat it every day, and some weeks we do. Like Taco Tuesday is a national holiday in our house every month, at least once. We love it. You would see all the things that we love. Are we the best with money? Probably not. Do I need to be your financial counselor? Absolutely not. I don't. But I would tell you the same thing that we tell our family. We, we give to God first, and we trust him with what's left. And sometimes he trusts us, and that's when we get in trouble. <laughs> it's true. Sorry. What do you value? And this morning, as, as I close in prayer, here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to take a really practical step. I want you to think and pray, God, what could I do this week, even if it's something very little, because that word was in the Bible, that's good. If it's something very little, what can I do this week to invest in your kingdom? And I'm going to ask you to make sure it has nothing to do with the gathering. Nothing. Not one of our programs, not, not that building over there, because I don't want you walking out of here thinking, I preached the message to get you to give us more. I just want you to let loose of your money even more. I, we're doing the same thing, and just trust God. If I let you use my resources for your kingdom, what could you do? And so I believe that while we pray, God will start to give you ideas. You might buy somebody's lunch this week. I don't know. I don't know what you'll do. But use your resources to invest in the kingdom, okay? Will you do that? All right, come on, let's pray. Father, right now, in your name, Jesus, um, I thank you. What, God, what a way to start the year. Man. And we get to come back next week and talk about divorce. This is going to be fantastic, God. Um, I'm so thankful that we serve a king who doesn't just tell us good things that we want to hear, but you, you, I mean, you dive into where we live. We live in finances. We live in divorce. We live in these areas, God. 
And, and I'm so encouraged that we serve a Lord who wants to be an integral part of real life with us. And so this week as we pray, um, I'm asking that you would give uh, just revelation to us about how we could use our resources. Admittedly, God, some of us have more than others. I love the fact that you included the words very little because that means all of us can do something. And not for us at the church, God. Give us insight into how we can use our resources this week in a very practical way at whatever level to impact others eternally. And if you do that, Father, and I know you will, we're going to come back next week, man, ready to worship, to sing, to praise, because we love being a part of your kingdom in this city. In your name, Jesus, amen.